Hi, I'm Shane Robertson, and welcome to the Maysville Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here at Maysville, we want to practice loving God, loving others, and serving the world. I trust this sermon will be an encouragement to you as it challenges your heart and strengthens your walk of faith. Now, grab your Bibles as we get ready to hear from the Word of God. friend of mine who was pastoring and at the end of the service he had a new member that had joined just the week before and uh, the member came forward and said to my pastor friend he said pastor he said uh, uh, will you pray for my hearing and so my friend took his hands and put them on the man's ears and began to pray that God would uh, heal him and touch his ears and and help him to be able to hear and said amen and he looked at the man he says now tell me how you feel and looking surprised, the man says, well, my hearing's fine. I'm talking about my court hearing tomorrow. <laughs> so there, there are times we get ourselves in a, in a pickle. I hope you have your Bibles this morning. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 10. And a lot of times when we have situations that kind of happen in the church, we can be distracted. I know I was. I just turned to David just a few minutes ago and Chris and asked him, I said, well, when are we going to do the baptism? And Chris looked at me like a calf looking at a new gate. He said, we just did it. And so uh, a lot of times our minds get off. But I'm thankful, thankful uh, for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sins. And I'm grateful uh, for the opportunity to preach today. And I'm grateful that those of you that are hanging in there that tuned in, thank you for staying tuned in today. I hope you have your Bibles today. I am preaching through the book of Acts in a series of messages that I've called Living with Biblical Clarity. We're all the way to chapter 16. We're going to look at the first 10 verses of chapter number 16. And the title of the message today is Obedience and the Call of God. It, obedience and the call of God. I'm absolutely shocked and amazed and thankful that as we are obeying God, even in a difficult season, that God sees fit to continue His calling upon our lives. God does not have a plan B. God only has a plan A. And God is operating His plan A in your life. And it's vitally important that you understand that regardless of what you've been through in your past, God has you where he wants you today, and he's working his plan A in your life. And you might say, man, I've messed this whole thing up. I can't see how it would be God's plan A in my life to go through the difficulties and the challenges that I went through. My dear friend, that's where you see the free will of man. Yes, there's the sovereignty of God. But then there's also the free will of man. And in the text that we're going to be looking at today, we're going to see that following the strong theological stance of the Jerusalem council as they proclaim to Paul and Barnabas and the whole team that salvation is by grace through faith and whoever wants to be saved can come through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ and him alone, you can have salvation and not have to participate in any religious ritual to secure or conform you into the image of Christ. It is a dealing of the heart. Paul and Barnabas were so excited about this, they could not wait to get out into the field. And as they were going out into the field, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back to the churches that we already had preached in and let's share this good news with them. 
And rightly so, Barnabas said, I agree. And then we have probably one of the most tragic events in the New Testament outside of the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We see the church, the bride of Christ, begins to have problems and difficulties as Barnabas says, I want John Mark to go with us. And Paul says, not on your life, buddy. And they part ways and go separate directions. Yet as they're going in separate directions, Paul chooses him a new team under God's leadership. And God uses them to continue the greatest commission in the history of the world. And that's the great commission that Jesus has given to each one of us. So look at chapter 16 in verse number 1. And notice how Paul is obedient to the Lord. And as he is obedient to the Lord, how God continues to call him into new arenas in life. The Bible tells us in chapter 16, beginning in verse number 1, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman, who believed, but his father was Greek. As, uh, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul uh, wanted to have him go with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father, that is Timothy's father, was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened and in the faith, and in, increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through Biagra and also the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysa, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysa, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man in Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to help, to come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of the Word of God. In this passage of Scripture, we see the gospel of Jesus Christ continuing its journey in Europe. It's so vitally important that we understand that this is not the first time the gospel is going to Europe. The gospel went to Europe in Acts chapter 2. As in Jerusalem, when the gospel was preached, there were many Romans that were there. And those Romans and Greeks that were there upon that occasion left, their, uh, left Jerusalem when they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and went back to their hometown. And so it's wrong to think that this is the first introduction of the gospel into Europe. It's vitally important to understand that this is the continued gospel proclamation within Europe. The bottom line is simply this. When Paul wrote to the Romans, the gospel of Jesus Christ had been preached to them already in Acts chapter number 2. And we find here in this text the continuation of that gospel proclamation as God leads them away from Asia and into Europe as it makes its way to the United States of America. When we look at this passage of Scripture, however we see how this continued obedience to the Great Commission leads to a call from the Holy Spirit of God to continue that mission, if you would, of the Great Commission. I want you to notice with me how this text is fleshed out 
And as we look at it together, I hope that it will be a great encouragement to you that we as a church will continue to walk in obedience to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as He directs us in new areas of ministry across the United States of America and also around the world. Number one, the first thing I want you to see here in the text is the men that were called. The men that were called. In verses 1 through 3, and again in verse number 10, we are reminded that God calls men, women, boys, and girls. In this particular passage of Scripture, we see the men called, and He calls men to ministry. Listen to me very carefully, dear friend. You might be here today, and you're struggling with the call of ministry. And you're curious to the fact, can God really use me? When you look at this passage of Scripture, there's no doubt that you see different personalities and different types of people that God calls into the ministry. Notice them with me. There are four individuals that the Scripture refers to in the text. Number one, the first one I want you to see is Silas. Silas. Silas first appears to us in chapter 15 and verse number 40. It was Silas who Paul chose after Barnabas had left. The Bible tells us and is very clear that Silas is a prophet. Notice what the Bible says in chapter 15, in verse number 40. The Bible says, But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. There's his calling. But let me show you his talent. The Bible says again, if you would, in verse, in verse number, uh, excuse me, in verse uh, number 32. That, that's where I'm wanting you to see. The Bible says now, Judas and Silas, themselves being prophets, also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. So there's Judas and Silas. Both of them are called prophets. Now, let me just say this in regards to the prophets. This is not referring to Silas as foretelling the future. That's not the prophet gift that he has. He has the New Testament gift of the prophet. The New Testament gift of the prophet is not foretelling the future, but foretelling the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we find here in the text that Silas the prophet was very skilled at proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He pointed out the fact that all men were sinners and the only way for them to get to heaven was through Jesus Christ. He was much more an evangelist as he boldly preached the Word of God. He was a Jew, and it would gain him access into the synagogues. But like Paul, he was also a Roman citizen, according to Acts chapter 16 in verse 37, which means he enjoyed the same protection and the same beliefs that Paul did. He also plays an important role in the New Testament history. When you find Silas, he's also known as Silvanus in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. He served as Peter's secretary as he would pin down the words that Peter would say in regards to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Silas is so instrumental that God took him from a position of servanthood to a position of proclamation where he proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ boldly and saw many people saved. It has been said that Silas was just a regular everyday Joe, just like you and I. He was just a regular individual that loved his church, that loved his family, and that loved Jesus Christ. The point I want to make with Silas as well as the rest of these men is simply this. God uses the ordinary people from today that just love the Lord and fear the Lord to use them for His glory, honor, and praise. 
We see not only Silas, but there's a second individual I want to call your attention to. And that is the Apostle Paul. Notice what the Bible says again in verse number 1. The Bible says, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra. The term he there is referring to the Apostle Paul. Paul is no stranger at this point of the story. But there are three things that I want to call your attention to in Paul's life that are worth noting. Number one, the first one is this. No one is out of God's reach. No one is out of God's reach. When you see the men that God calls to ministry and the men that God uses to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out of Jerusalem into the countryside, we find that he uses an individual by the name of Paul who we thought when reading the scriptures and reading the text, even the apostles and disciples thought he's completely out of God's reach. He's murdering Christians for heaven's sakes. And then we see God show up in a mighty way. And as God shows up here in Paul's life, we see that Paul, who spent a good part of his life as a Pharisee, was knocked off his horse. And as he was knocked off the horse, we see that God spoke to him in such a mighty, powerful way that it changed his life forever. We know that Paul was well ed educated in the Hebrew Bible and Jewish tradition. Uh, we know that he adhered, adhered to the law and traditions of a Pharisee. We know that this Christian movement that was taking place made him absolutely irate and he could not escape the zeal that was inside of him to persecute every Christian he possibly could before he came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior and Lord. This likely involved him in going into synagogues, if you would, and encouraging the punishment of Jews before he himself received letters to go in and persecute the Jews himself. And then one day, again on the road to Damascus, God knocked him off of his horse and spoke to him in such a mighty, powerful way. When you think someone it can't go any further, that God cannot reach them, it is at that very moment that God could speak to them and use them for the glory of God. You may be struggling with a call to ministry today. You may be struggling with the fact that God's calling you to do something and do something that only you can do. And God is desiring that you rise up and only open your hands in obedience and say, yes, Lord, I surrender to your will. I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. I put my yes on the table. No one is out of God's reach. Number two, the second thing you see about uh, the Apostle Paul that we, is worth noting is that our achievements do not define us. Our achievements do not define us. We're living in an in a, in a, uh, age and in a culture today where we want to say, well, you know, you got to have this degree and that degree and this and that and all these things. and you just got to have all these things. Listen to me very carefully. Your achievements do not define you as a born-again child of God. When you look at the Apostle Paul's life and you see the accomplishments that he had, uh, you, can't help but it, you can't help but recognize Philippians chapter 3 when Paul said this in verse number 4. He says, if someone else thinks that they have reason uh, to put confidence in the flesh, he said, I have more. He says, I circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regard to the law, as a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness, I based it on the law. 
I was flaw- flawless. But however, but whatever we whatever was gained to me, I now consider it loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, who for his sake I have lost all things. I consider them to be garbage, that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ. And the righteousness that comes from God is on the basis of faith. In light of Jesus Christ, Paul looked at his accomplishment and realized that they paled in comparison to what Jesus Christ had to offer. And thanks be unto God, when he received Christ as his Savior, he opened his hands and put his yes on the table and said, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Lead me, Lord Jesus, in thy way. Dear friend, if you want to follow after the Lord, if God's got a calling upon your life, you won't do it by Based upon your achievements. You'll do it based upon your surrender. If God is calling you, the only way you'll ever be happy is to say, yes, Lord, it's on the table, and follow after him. Number three, not only do we see our achievements do not define us, but we also see a third thing about the Apostle Paul, and that is ministry is difficult. Ministry is difficult. If you think ministry is easy, man, look at the Apostle Paul's life. Paul suffered for his sacrifice. When you see his life and you see that he was willing to lay down his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ, you see the things that he suffered. He suffered flogging. He was beat with rods. He had rocks thrown at him. And and they thought he was dead. We already already saw a narrative, a story in the Word of God where they drug him out of the city because they thought he was dead. All because he loved God. Jesus Christ. He was in prison. He was shipwrecked. He was hungry. He was cold. He had sleepless nights. And yet he tells the Philippian church this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, 12, and 13. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Uh, Whether I'm fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living or whether I'm in plenty or in want, he says, I know this. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul basically said this in regards to the suffering that he had in ministry. I know that if God will take me to it, God will take me through it. And I'm coming with my yes on the table saying, God, whatever you have for me, I'm saying yes, but I'm dependent upon you to get me through. And regardless of what he went through in his life, we see Paul rose to the top and said, I'm willing to give my life for Jesus because he gave his life for me. Listen to me, dear friend. God is calling you to a specific situation. He's calling you to a specific plan. He's calling you to a specific need. He's asking you to put your yes on the table and you surrender to that yes. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. It may even cost you your life. But there'll be no greater reward than to give your life for Jesus Christ as he gave his life for you. Number three, not only do you see the apostle uh, Paul, not only do you see Silas, But then again, you see also Timothy. If you look at this and you see that Silas is the prophet and Paul is the preacher, Timothy would be a pastor. The Bible tells us in verse number 1 that they saw a young man by the name of Timothy. 
He was the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. When you look at Timothy's life, there are several things that are worth noting. Like number one, he didn't come from the right background. Timothy didn't come from the right background. When you read this text, you cannot ignore the fact in verse number one that Timothy was biracial. Timothy was a biracial young man. He was neither fully Jew nor fully Greek. Acts 16.1 is clear. It tells us that his mother was a Jewish woman who believed in Jesus Christ, but his father was not. His father was a Greek. When, let me just say this in regards to this point. Your heritage is not a factor for God. God gave you the parents he wanted you to have. You were raised with the mother and father he wanted you to have. And he can use you despite of the advantages or whatever disadvantages you might think you have ethically or any background factor that might cause you to say, I just don't think God can use me. I've had individuals say, I, I really feel like there's a calling on my life, but I just don't think God can use me. I just don't think God can use me because of my situation. I don't think he can use me because of my parents. I don't think he can use me because of this, because of that, because of this or the other. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, we're talking about God here. If God in the Old Testament can use a donkey, then he can use you. When you look at the Word of God and see that God does not call the prestigious, He calls the simple. He calls those that look at the Word of God and say, I might not understand it all, but bless God, I believe it all. And in believing it all, I'm surrendering to it all, and God can use us all, each and every one of us. He didn't come from the right background. Number two, his father was not a spiritual leader. The Bible tells us here that Timothy's father was an unbelieving Gentile. We know that Timothy's mother and grandmother were the ones responsible for raising Timothy and who got him to the point where he was educated and surrendered, if you would, to the Lord Jesus Christ in his faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, we read this. Paul says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that, faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois or your mother Eunice, and now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. Oh, there's a great lesson to be learned here. For those of you who do not have a believing husband, what can you do? You can keep being faithful. You can keep being faithful to Jesus. Keep being faithful to church. Keep being faithful to raise that child in the admonition of the Lord. Keep being faithful in praying for that child and telling that child about Jesus Christ until that daddy comes around. We find that his father wasn't a spiritual leader, but God still used Timothy. Number three, the third thing I want you to notice is that Timothy wasn't Paul. Timothy wasn't Paul. A lot of people look at Timothy and they say, well, Timothy was second string. He was Paul's representative. Uh, th this makes uh, it, it to the fact that he wasn't Paul, but God was using him. And by the way, God doesn't have any second string players. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, he, Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child of the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church that I go to. Uh, simply put, 
Paul just said, hey church, I'm sending you a pastor. That pastor's name's Timothy. And he's coming there and he's going to remind you of what the Word of God says. Just as I've reminded him of what the Word of God says. Thank God we don't have to be like Shane. Or we don't have to be like David. Or we don't have to be like Chris. We don't have to be like Billy Graham or Adrian Rogers. We just got to be ourselves and let God use you for his glory and his honor. Let me tell you another thing about Timothy. He had health issues. A lot of people say, I can't, I can't serve the Lord. I got health issues. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, this about Timothy. He says, no longer uh, drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Uh, Paul simply told Timothy, he says, look, you need to take that antacid every now and then. You need to take it if your stomach's upset. Uh, he had these health issues that we're not quite sure just exactly what it is. But God used him even with those issues. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what I'm saying to you is simply this. God can use you regardless of your health situation. A lot of people say, well, I can't do it because I'm young. Timothy was young. Uh, Timothy's exact age isn't given, but we know that Paul had to encourage him to not let those others as they looked down upon him. And he told Timothy, he says, let no man despise your youth. He said, stay faithful to the Lord. Another thing about Timothy, most importantly, is this. He had a heart for God. Look at how Paul describes him to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. He says this. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ, but you who know Timothy have proven his worth. The real worth of, Jesus, of, of Timothy was found in Jesus Christ. God knows your heart. That's what we learned about Timothy. The only thing we see in Timothy's life was a willingness. God will choose individuals with a willingness to serve him. Silas, the prophet. Paul, the preacher. Timothy, the pastor. And then Luke, the physician. Well, say, wait a minute. I don't see Luke here in this passage. Let me call your attention to verse number 10. Look at this. This is so neat. The Bible says here in the text, in verse number 10, Now after he had seen the vision, that's talking about uh, Paul, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. If I had my pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, I would underline the word we. Why? Because this is the first time in the book of Acts, it is used. Up until this time, Luke never includes himself in the conversations. It's almost as if he's taken a back seat and is not participating at all. But then all of a sudden, in chapter 16, in verse number 10, he says, we. He includes himself in this situation. Luke simply says, I'm a part of this. I'm a part of what God's doing, and I want to be a part of what God's doing because God is moving in a real way. Luke, the physician, is used by God in such a tremendous way that God uses him not only to write this beautiful letter that we find here in the book of Acts, outlining the works of the Holy Spirit of God, but he used him to write the gospel, and he uses him in this gospel to help preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The point that I want to make here is regardless of what your educational status is, if you're a doctor or you're just somebody that loves the Lord in the church, God wants to use you. 
He wants to use you to be a pastor. He wants to use you to be a missionary. He wants to use you to be a Sunday school teacher. He wants to use you to be a greeter. He wants to use you to be someone that extends hospitality, maybe work in the parking lot. God wants to use you. The question is, will you answer the call? Will you answer the call? The men that were called came from different backgrounds. And God used them. But not only that, let me show you a second thing very quickly. Not only do we see the men that were called, but we see the measures that were taken. The measures that were taken. Look at verse number 3. The Bible goes on to tell us this. The Bible says Paul wanted to have Timothy go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. Now, we find here in this past of Scripture that there's been some criticism of Paul concerning this verse. It seems that Paul has now created a double standard. When you look at this past of Scripture, some have even said in that this verse, Paul falls into the same heresy that he was fighting against regarding the Jerusalem council. Here he is, just left the Jerusalem council, saying circumcision is not required in relationship to salvation. And yet now here we find in this passage of Scripture, he goes and circumcises Timothy. Why? The controversy revolves around two people. The first individual I want to call your attention to is a man by the name of Titus. Titus. We find Titus in Galatians chapter number 2 in verse number 3. For the sake of time, I won't go there, but I hope you'll look at it later. But in that passage of Scripture, Paul refuses to circumcise Titus. He says, I'm not going to do it. And the reason is clear. Unlike Timothy, Titus was a full-blooded Gentile. Both of his parents were Gentiles. And so to have been circumcised, it would have been to capitulate legalism and to say it's okay. That's something we need to do. Not wanting to do that, Paul says, no, I'm not going to circumcise Titus. Forget it. Because when God saved, he circumcised the heart. But there's a second individual at this controversy, one we find in Acts chapter 16. And it's a man by the name of Timothy. Remember, Timothy was known by the Jews of Galatia. They knew that his father was a Greek. And we know here in the text that if he was not circumcised, he would have been considered apostate Jew, a non participating, practicing Jew. This would have interfered with Paul's work among the Jews. For this reason, he had always gone to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. Even in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, he tells us that. In Romans chapter 2, and he's, when he's making his case, therefore, it's necessary for the sake of the work of the gospel that Timothy, who was a Jew, that he be circumcised to know that when he enters into, if you would, that uh, arena of the synagogue, he could preach with boldness and not be second-guessed or not have way into the region. It's much like uh, missionaries today who go with a, 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 an organization where they have a plan to go in. And they go in and they set up shop, whether that be a fruit stand or whatever the case may be. And yet, in the back room, they have church. They wanted Timothy to be able to get into the front room. And in doing so, it meant that he had to become like a Jew. So the circumcision was not for his salvation, 
but it was for his access to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see the measures that were taken. Number three, let me show you very quickly the third point in the text. I want you to see the message they preached. The message they preached. Look at verse 4 and 5. The Bible says, And when they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. Three things that we need to just recognize here very quickly. Number one, the plan. What was the plans? The plans were simple. To pass through the cities. They were to go through each and every city there in that region of Galatia. Brothers and sisters, by way of application, let me say this. For some of us on our way home, we will pass through several cities. As we are passing through today and this week and in years to come, may we always have plans to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we find the plans. Number two, the second thing we see is the proclamation. Look at verse number four. The Bible tells us there in the text that as they went through, that they delivered the decrees. They delivered to them the decrees to keep. This is a fascinating phrase. This is to say that they were to spread the liberating message of the Jerusalem council. That salvation is by grace through faith. And you do not have to participate or practice any religious ritual in order to be right with God. You can be right with God by receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. Salvation was by grace, not law. And then number two, that that grace came by love, not legalism. And so in teaching these uh, individuals, this particular segment, salvation is by grace, not law, and it is grace by love and not legalism, was the proclamation message that they made to each and every city. And what was the product? Look at, look at the product very quickly in verse number 5. The product is simply this. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now I want you to notice something very important about this. The first one is that word strengthened in the faith and were increased in number. The word strengthened there means to make solid. It means to make firm. It means to strengthen and to make strong. The Bible says, according to this past of Scripture, that the church became strong. The church became strong. Now, what does that mean, Pastor? What, what, are, you, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that when you look at this passage of Scripture, you see the flow of church growth. When the church becomes strong, the church increases in numbers. Did you see what happened here in the text? The Bible says that they strengthened in their faith and increased in numbers daily. How does this happen? When your faith is strengthened, then your message becomes bolder. And when your message becomes bolder, you don't care who you're in front of. You share the gospel with them. And so the church experienced exponential growth. Because their faith became solid and strong. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, in relationship to Maysville Baptist Church, when you look at what we've been through over this past year and see how God has protected His church, and here we are today in the summer of 2021, in such a time as this, God has called you and I that our faith might be strengthened in the church 
that we might see this wonderful growth that comes numerically, not because the preacher is winning more people to Jesus Christ, but the church is winning more people to Jesus Christ. The church is seeing their sons and daughters raise up and surrendering to ministry. The church is seeing daily witnessing going on within their communities, within their uh, local um, uh, areas of work. God is using them to see the product come about. You see that they increased in number and the order is right. Strong churches grow bigger churches. So I don't think we need to get any bigger. I don't think that's our responsibility. I think our responsibility is to be faithful to the Lord and to continue to see churches born and birthed out of Maysville Baptist Church. The message they preached strengthened the churches and increased the churches. And then number four, here's the last thing as my time is gone. The fourth thing I want you to notice about this text is the mission that they followed. The mission that was followed. In verses 6 through 10, having the churches of that region strengthened and growing the team, and growing together, the team awaited the instructions of the Holy Spirit. And there are three things I want you to notice in closing. Number one, the first thing I want you to see is the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The prompting of the Holy Spirit. Look at what the Bible says in verse 6. Follow me now. The Bible says, Now when they had gone through, the, uh, through uh, Perga and in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Let me stop right there and say this parenthetically. Has there ever been a time when the Lord stopped you from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yes. That's biblical. The Holy Spirit stopped them from sharing the gospel right there in that part of Asia. Why? Because the timing was off. The timing was not right in that particular situation. And as the timing was off, the Holy Spirit spoke. And as the Holy Spirit spoke, a lot of times we think about Paul, we think of him like a bulldozer. Man, he just, like a bull in a china shop, just rah! But when the Holy Spirit speaks and says, wait, you better listen to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, stop, wait, right there. Look at what the Bible goes on to say in verse 7. After they had come to Mista, they uh, tried to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit did not permit them. You see, there are times when God closes doors of opportunity. There are times when God opens doors, and there are times when God closes doors. And we, as born-again children of God, need to be able to have the discernment to recognize when God is opening doors and when God's closing doors. The Bible goes on to say here in verse number 8, So passing through Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Not only do we see the prompting of the Spirit, the second thing I want you to see is the perception of Paul. The perception of Paul. Having received the divine summons, Paul saw the vision as an opportunity to win Someone to Jesus Christ. This cry was a cry for, the, for help in preaching the truth to an area that needed the gospel. This was not a humanitarian endeavor. Paul clearly knew that his responsibility was to go and share the gospel where the door had opened. And he obeyed 
and went straight that way. And then we see the last thing in closing, the preaching of the team. The preaching of the team. In verse number 10, the Bible says, Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. When God pointed in the right direction, the Bible tells us here that they didn't hesitate, they didn't wait, they immediately obeyed the Lord. Delayed obedience is disobedience. I wish I could count the number and tell you the number of individuals that I've met over the course of my life in ministry who would say things to me like this, Pastor, when I was young, I really felt like God was calling me into ministry. I didn't answer that call. I did my own thing. And to this day, I regret not answering the call that God had on my life. How sad it is to see an individual live in misery because of disobedience. I simply share with you today, delayed obedience is disobedience. We find here in this beautiful letter the words of Luke as he pinned down the acts of the Holy Spirit of God and in chapter number 16, he finally answers the call to ministry and says, we were called and we went and we preached and people got saved. I want to ask you this question this morning. What's God calling you to do, dear friend? Are you walking in obedience to him? Is your yes on the table? The Bible tells us in the Word of God in the book of Hebrews, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together like some do. You know, what the, you know what that means? It means you need to be associated with a local body of believers that's going to preach the Word of God and preach the truth. For some of us here, God's calling you to join this church. I'm telling you, in the days that we're entering into right now, more than ever, we've got to be more committed to this than we've ever been before in our lives. If we're going to see a difference in our community, in our neighborhood, in our nation, in our state. We have got to be committed to the Word of God. Can I tell you, this right here doesn't need defending. It only needs proclaiming. It needs proclaiming by God-called men and women who know that God has saved them, that believes the Word of God, beyond it being just a book. It is the Word of the living God. And to put our yes on the table means, God, I'll do whatever it is you've called me to do. The door is open. I'm walking through that. The door of membership for Maysville is open. We're asking you to come. I'm asking you to come be a part of a church that believes the Word of God, is going to stand for the Word of God, is going to preach the Word of God, and it'll be contrary to the culture. It'll be contrary to what's going on there in the culture today. And I don't say that because we're trying to make individuals mad or upset or aggravated or, or we're trying to pick a fight. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is what this world needs is some real godly biblical examples that live with biblical clarity and says that's what the Word of God says and that's what I'm living in. I'm living the Word of God. Some of you need to join the church today. Some of you, some of you need to surrender for baptism. Your baptism's all jacked up. It's out of order. God's been telling you for years to get that thing right. It's been calling you. You've been delaying on that. Delayed obedience 
is disobedience. For some of you, God's calling you into ministry. How long will you continue to put off that call? I'm, I'm asking you today to surrender to that calling. There's some here God's calling you to be missionaries. Some God's calling you uh, to be pastors. Some God's calling you uh, to be children's workers and youth workers. God's calling you today. Will you answer that call? Obedience and the call of God. And then last of all, there are some here today that God's calling to be saved. The Bible tells us very plainly, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is calling people to be saved today. We're going to have an invitation hymn here in just a few moments. I'm going to turn my microphone off and I'm going to step down onto the floor. And I'm going to invite everyone that God has a calling upon your life, whether that be to be saved, whether that be to surrender for ministry, whether that be to join our church, whether that be to come and pray for our nation. Whatever that calling is, I'm going to ask you, will you answer it? Father, the best I know how, Lord Jesus, I've preached the message you've put on my heart today concerning obedience and the call of God. Lord, I pray that as we've seen you call these individuals to ministry, and Lord, as we have seen in the name of Jesus, you use them for your glory, I pray that you would help us with the same obedience to respond and put our yes on the table and follow you. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. As a pastor, my primary concern is your eternity. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, that you can know where you will spend eternity. I would love to connect with you and talk more about your walk of faith. You can email and find more information about the ministry of Maysville Baptist Church on our website. Just type maysvillebaptist.net in your search engine. Also, you can support this ministry through our website or by mailing your gift to 8875 Highway 82 Spur Road, Maysville, Georgia, 30558. God bless you, and I hope you tune in next week where once again we turn our hearts towards the Word of God.